Um, can I tell you a plumber story? <laughs> Does it involve a butt? Yeah. I mean, no, it doesn't. It's actually not worth it. Never mind. No, just kidding. Um, I am appalled at a situation that happened in my home where my nine-year-old son did as nine-year-old sons do and yanked his shower handle like too hard. And I was at work and Zach, my husband, was here. And basically the the faucet just started leaking <coughs> like a constant yeah. stream. Right. Just waterfall. And yep. And we couldn't they couldn't turn the shower. They couldn't t- turn the shower on or off. So Zach <laughs> called the first 24 hour plumbing service that he could find. And they're like, OK, we have a two hour window. We'll dispatch somebody out there in two hours. He started calling at 6 p.m. He did not stop until 11. The whole reason we called this place was because um, they said that they were 24 hours. They kept saying somebody was going to come out and they didn't. We didn't get a call until the next morning. The guy didn't come until um, noon the next day. Do you you have a swimming pool upstairs that I didn't know about? (laughs) I know, right? That would would have been a cool bonus. No, I mean, thank God nothing was like clogged because that would have been a nightmare. Yeah. But we were just streaming water out of our like when you streaming water like full shower level no, water okay no okay. but like but not a drip you know like a true mm. stream so this guy comes and says um yeah your valve is broken and we're gonna have to come in through the drywall in the back or through the tile in the front and it's gonna be five thousand dollars Okay, it's just that we need you to fix the handle, okay? (laughs) What? Yeah. And so my sweet, sweet husband is just like sweating, like with profusely with like so stressed out. We're about to pay for our second wedding in like a couple weeks, like $5,000. He's like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. And I was like, okay, wait, hang on. No, like, thank you, sir. We will be in touch. I'm going to get some other quotes. So anyways, I like go to and if you're a mom, you are you know what I'm talking about. I went to my local chapter of Facebook mom group that I rely so heavily on. And I'm like, hey, hey, guys, does this sound real and fair? And everyone was like, that's insane. And one person sent me like her plumber that she uses was this sweet local guy. And he runs his plumbing company with his two sons. And they just came today and they fixed it. And I want you to guess for how much. $250. $175. Incredible. So Did you call the other place and oh, tell them to go? Listen, I'm not a Yelper. I don't do that. But, but I'm so excited to write to the become most a Yelper. <laughs> scathing Yelp review of my life. Like, I'm so disgusted because also this guy, the awesome guy that I used, who I will only exclusively be using for all plumbing issues forever and ever. Um, And also like the big companies are really putting more money in these little guys pockets, I feel like, because I tipped him so much money. Like I was just like almost crying. Yeah. You know, that other motherfucker wanted to charge me five thousand dollars. Half of ten thousand dollars, Shannon. Holy shit. You are so good at math math class right now. So. (laughs) Okay, but like it's wild to me that they can just do this. And that's what the guy, George, who I used, who actually fixed my toilet or my shower was like, I get these calls all the time. He last week went to go fix a sweet little old lady's 
plumbing issue in her mobile home. And somebody had quoted her $8,000 and they fixed it for like one eighty. You know, that's some whack ass bullshit. I feel like it just sucks that we live in a time where like that is okay. Is yeah, and it's like commonplace also. Like, yeah, people and are the just people like, oh yeah, plumbers are scammers. No, it's not okay. No, and you also need like this is a thing that it's not as if like plumbing knowledge is just like hell of accessible, right? There's right. like there's like shit. There's like stuff in there that you don't you can't it's not just like a DIY situation. It's not. It's trash. And, and you need somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. They're capitalizing on you not knowing. Anyway, if you happen to listen to this podcast and you're one of those horrible plumbers, we hate you. I'm sure. Now back to the episode. <laughs> we get canceled by the plumbers. Well, you know, speaking of plumbing, something that I've heard... Um, that people like to do while they're on the toilet is read books. And so let's talk about some. Nice. That was such a beautiful segue. Thank you. Brown girl book party. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a bonus episode. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. One of our listeners, Ashley Carter, who's also my friend. Um, hi, Ashley. She, Hi. <laughs> she asked us a really great question um, on our Instagram, I think over a month ago. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. But we really want to, instead of just like responding back, we wanted to make an episode about it because we thought it was such a great question. And the question was, what is the definition of young adult? And the reason she asked is because it was either after reading Yoke or um, We Contain Multitudes um, and she said it was so good, but she felt the themes were quite heavy. We deserve monuments. Oh, it was. We deserve monuments. That was the book that she, that we read, mm-hmm. that we, she read. Yeah, she also read Yoke. Yeah, but not, not <laughs> okay, so We Contain question. Multitudes. Oh my gosh, I said the wrong book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I swear, I just had a moment where I was like, have I lost my fucking mind because she's looking at me like I'm speaking a different language? I'm doing so good, you guys. <laughs> I'm just really thriving <laughs> in my life right now. Hella rested. Have so, so much extra time. <laughs> I thought you were just like, because you're like, we contain multitudes. I'm like, uh-huh. No, I said we oh deserve God, monuments. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) so after she read one of those, one of those YA books, she was commenting about how um, the themes were so heavy. And so and what qualifies something to be a young adult book? And so we wanted to talk about that. We wanted to unpack that. Um, I'm just like searching the Internet right now. To see if I can get a basic <laughs> definition of young Google.com. So this was, so after this question came up, I was like, wow, it would be really cool if one of us knew um, a youth librarian mm. who could answer the question. <laughs> so one night whilst laying in bed, I rolled over 
to my spouse and into his ear I whispered <laughs> this is becoming smart. what <laughs> sorry for the smut um no so I was like do do you think that we need to have like somebody on the show to talk about what classifies like what the what the bullet points of classification are mm-hmm. for young adult books and he was like what do you think a young adult book is and I was like a book where the character is a young adult and he was like yep yeah <laughs> it's that simple um and and that's basically what the wikipedia definition is young adult fiction is a category of fiction written for readers from 12 to 18 years of age while the genre is primarily targeted at adolescents approximately half of YA readers are adults. So, I mean, it's because that shit is so fucking good. It is. So I do think that that is a really a good way to define what it is. And I didn't think about it in those terms. I more was thinking about the age of the readers that it appeals to. But it is really about the characters and the stories yeah. of that time. And the reason that adults are so drawn to that. I mean, for me, you know, I, it's such a magical time. Um, of exploration and learning yourself. And so to be able to revisit that in so many different themes, I think can be really healing. But I also think that Ashley had a really good point in posing this question because these themes are so heavy sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Um, We were just talking about another YA book that we both love that we're not going to dive deep into today because part of what we're going to talk about are some of our favorite YA books individually. But... um, I can't remember. The what. Astonishing Color of After. Yes. I was looking just, at it. At I'm just shelf. here to bring the book Shannon's titles. I on it today. Um, I can see I am it. not. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job. Don't tell them. You're a smoke show. <laughs> you're such a smoke show. <laughs> um, so The Astonishing Color of After is about a teenage girl whose mother commits suicide, and she believes that she returns as a crane Mm-hmm. Um, so there are themes of suicide. The main character is biracial. She's Chinese, white. Um, her father is white and her mother is from China. And so they also do all of this incredible exploring of like the dynamics of that. Um, they return to her mother's homeland and reconnect with these grandparents that she's been estranged from. And like, it is so beautiful and so good. Um, and I think personally, as a person who reads a lot of YA, like, there is so much more depth availability to write characters at this age because there's so many less inhibitions. So one of the things um, when I, my spouse and I first started dating, he was reading a lot of YA. He's a kid's, uh, yeah, a kid's librarian was working with teens and he was talking about like, he was reading a lot of like teen, like YA sort of romance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like Aristotle and Dante kind of stuff. And one of the things he said was the reasons that he likes YA is YA romance is because they're the last true lovers. Um, and that like, I, you know, it falls into that same space of what you're saying. Like there's so much, I think there's just that is just such a time in our lives when we are like absorbing Mm -hmm. in us in such a specific way. And also when we are like experiencing in such a different way. And there like there's so much abandon. 
there's so much change that happens too. Yeah. It's almost like, I mean, of course you change you and you know, there's periods of, and this is true and like understanding and exploring psychology and the way that like each of our, like certain ages outside of just teenhood, late teenhood that this happens. But I think that the most significant one really is late teenhood. In some ways you're solidifying the foundation of who you are to become as an adult. Not that there is no, again, opportunity for change later, but yeah, so many of those ideals that you hold and so many of the experiences that shape you at that age define you. Yeah, totally. I mean, and I, and I think, you know, it's like, that is such a time when you start to feel like in the way that we, we may feel like when we enter into like our thirties or in our forties, right. Where it's like, this is the, there is something about like approaching 18 and just being like my, like my life is going to change so much. It feels like, like there's, there's so much out there that I, that I don't know and that I want to know and also, right. There's so much waiting for you. And, but also that like your experience of like going to school and like having um, responsibilities that, like may not be, I mean, because some people do have lots of responsibilities before they turn sure, eighteen, right? But course. like, if your if if your life is very much like going to school, do like doing that sort of um, right. classic high school life, um, then all of you know it starts to become the like oh shit moment where all all of that is changing. Totally. And I think also you just have not been so damaged yet. I mean, there of course are damaging things that happen in childhood, et cetera, but like that magical age where like you have not really seen how in most cases you have not really seen how absolutely grueling and cruel the world can be to you and people. And you know, it's just like, it's just such a sweet tender moment and there's no other moment really like that in life. So it really offers a platform for some really deep, meaningful, vulnerable and beautiful writing. Yeah, I think my attraction to YA um, or maybe like YA still being a magnet in my life is like that surviving trauma Mm -hmm. and having so much of my like young adult life interrupted with various things that like YA feels like a thing I can go back to mm-hmm. and a thing that like I can still learn from and I can also remember that like all of high school wasn't shit because I right. did have some really like special moments sure with friends and um with just like living and like making choices and doing things that that you really only do when you're that age right totally um, totally yeah. So good. So we want to talk about some of our, we each picked three. Well, we originally said three favorite YA books. I think that was my criteria, but Shannon is just going to share some that she deeply loves. Maybe not necessarily her favorite. Yeah. And the reason for that is because I didn't prepare for this show. You know what? Here we are. Here we are. But that's okay. You still loved them. And we're happy to share these with you. Um, I'm going to start with. Elizabeth Acevedo's Clap When You Land. Oh, man. You loved this. I loved this book so much. It was all over her 
Insta. It was. I read it um, deep in the quarantine, just a few months after I moved here. Um, moving had limited my availability to reading in the way that I normally did, and I wasn't connecting with a, any book for a little while. And I picked this up, and man, I mean, I remember, like, my kids were so young then, and it was such a tender time in our lives. I mean, really, like, everybody was just, like, so exposed wounds. You know, I just left their father and moved them over 100 miles away from our hometown. Um, And so they were my kids, my young sons at the time were very clingy and like needing me all the time and so much of my life was just being with them and it was the pandemic so they weren't in school and this book made me feel like I was reconnecting with myself um Mm. and it was really significant for that reason because and and it was so easy to do that with this book this book is so beautiful the prose in this book like it's all basically a novel that is one long poem or a novel with many, many little short poems that is telling you a whole novel of a story. Um, it is about um, two sisters, half sisters, who share a father, and neither of them know that the other one exists. And um, it is absolutely stunning, and I highly recommend it. Elizabeth Acevedo is, um, she also wrote a book called The Poet X. Yes. Um, and she is currently, we are eagerly anticipating her adult work called Family Lore. Um, she just had a baby. She is an incredible award-winning, um, author that do not sleep on her. No, you haven't. If you have not read her stuff. It's, it's really good. And I feel like also something we've talked about previously about YA is that it is such a nice entry point no matter where you are. If you're a fresh, brand new reader, you're an adult person who's never really been an avid reader and you want to get into reading, YA, YA. That is always, people ask me, how have you like developed such a good reading habit? Like what are these things? And I do have like little tips and stuff, but one of the main things, aside from revisiting books that you loved previously, because I think that's another way to, you know, reading it really is just um like um, using a muscle in a way. And the more you do it, the easier it is to do it. But also read shit that you like. And a lot of the time, what you can like and what is so easy and accessible is YA. And it doesn't, just because it's easy to read doesn't mean it's not meaningful or it's not good. You know, we have these ideas about what a book is supposed to offer or how it stands among other books. Fuck that noise. No way. This is a fucking book party. We want you to read what you love. We want you to read what just like really is like ripping your heart open in good and bad ways. Um, and this book, Clap When You Land, really did. I mean, I I would sneak down. I was living in a, a little um, townhouse with my kids in Midtown, and I would sneak downstairs like at 4.30 a.m. before they woke up, and I would just be like on the couch, just I like, could not stop reading this book. That's Woo. so good. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Like also books that do that to you, right? Like totally. that you're just like – I. Every how many moments of my life can I steal away to read this book? Right. Yeah. Oh, so good. That's the high we're always chasing as readers. Heard. Um. So, I the one of the books that I read. This was like I can't. I'm trying to think of when I. This book came out in 2017, so I probably read it like right after it came out. It's called. Um, 
I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. Mm. And it's by Erica Sanchez. And this has been on my list for a really long time. I haven't read it. Oh, it's so good. Um, And I think like. I'm always looking just as people do, right? You're always looking for books, uh, looking for representation in books and for books that that are like telling a story that that feels like you can find yourself in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as I'm my mom's Mexican, my dad's white. So there's like I'm in this space of like, you know, I've got indigenous and Mexican mom, (laughs) very, very white father, but my whole like cultural experience is Mexican. Um, and finding book, a book like this was like, I was so excited about it, especially like the title, right? I'm not your perfect Mexican daughter. A thing that I, that really does like, I could wear that t-shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. it, you know, anytime I go home, um, because as the book says, like perfect Mexican daughters do not go away to college and they do not move out of their parents' house after high school graduation and perfect Mexican daughters never abandon their family. Um, like I left and I also just like didn't do things in the way that a lot of my family did things. Um, and this is a book about like, I really found a lot of myself in it. Um, it's a story about a young girl named Julia. Um, and her, her sister dies in an accident, her sister Olga. And it's a book that like explores a lot of Julia's firsts as a young adult, um, relationships and hard choices and things like that. Um, it's also a book that like throughout the story, Julia sort of meets her sister Olga in a different way. Right. Like, I think this is something that, I've said often as as a person who has lost a lot of very close people in my life, after somebody dies, you like meet them in a new way mm-hmm. um, because you there's so much of them that like you're now introduced to because mm-hmm. they're gone. And so that happens with her and her sister. Um, and it is just a very like stunning um book that explores grief and family and being a young Mexican girl when there are so many expectations of you that you just cannot live up to. I'm going to add that to my TBR right now. It's very, very, very good. I mean, it's on my TBR, but I'm moving it up. I, you know, I bought it. Move it on up. On this list, <laughs> I bought it in COVID, and um, and then my dog Munch at the time was a puppy, and he was obsessed with eating my books all the time, and he ate it. He ate the back cover, Munch. and then it was just like so nard. Like I could still read it; all the pages were intact. But that sounds amazing. Yeah. I love a book where you just see so much of yourself. It's so so important. Yeah, it's a it's healing yeah. and. Erica Sanchez has gone on to write um, 
more, including her own a, a book, a memoir called "Crying in the Bathroom," and Ooh. Um, I'm adding that to my TBR too. Because uh, talk about seeing yourself in a book. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, okay, amazing, Rack. My next book that I want to talk about is, um, it was my favorite book. It was my favorite book until I read, um, until I read Ask Again, Yes, last year. I mean, this oh, was my number right, one. Yes, right. You've talked about this before. Yeah. Yes. This, this book was my number one favorite book for probably... I would say like three or four years, which to me is a pretty solid run. Yeah. Um, and the book I'm going to talk about after this is was my favorite book for like seven or eight years before that. Um, just as like another like nod to YA, like I really, really love young adult books. Um, this book is called We Contain Multitudes. It is by Sarah Henstra. If you are a person who is a book friend of mine, if you are a person who has expressed wanting to get into books, if I have ever bought you a book, 95% chance that it was this book. I have bought at least 10 copies of this book and given them to people. It is a... Well, I guess I'm writing it down. Yeah. (laughs) Or waiting for a gift. (laughs) (laughs) It is... So beautiful. It is a queer coming of age story about two um, young boys in high school. The premise of the book is that their English teacher gives them an assignment. She randomly connects kids in the class to essentially write letters to each other all year long. And this assignment is between a boy who is queer and out and they live in a small middle America town And he's really close with his father and his sister. And he's like a musician and he's just like kind of an odd kid. Um, And the count his counterpart, the person he's writing letters with um, is essentially like a retired high school football player. And I say retired because he hurts himself and he's no longer able to keep playing. Mm. And um, it is the way that this love story unravels is so beautiful. And part of what I love about it is the, it's so, um, it's so personal because the entire book is just, uh, compiling these letters back and forth. So you read the entire story, um, through basically alternating letters between the boys. Um, so it's also like a really easy read. Like it's really quick. Like you, and you just want to gobble at the pages, you know, you're just like Mm -hmm. constantly like every second it was, it's very, it's a very hard book to put down. Um, Sarah Henstra, I think is a Canadian author and she wrote, um, another book. Well, I think she's actually, I'm realizing I've read actually all of her books because, I was constantly just like needing more of We Contain Multitudes in my life. Um, Her two other books, one is called The Red Word. And um, the other book that she wrote um, is Mad Miss Mimic. And maybe, oh, it looks like those are her only works of fiction, I think. Um, The Red Word and Mad Miss Mimic were very good. Mad Miss Mimic was um, different than anything I've ever read. I think it was set in like the 17 or 1800s. And it's about a girl who has like um, a stutter, a stuttering Mm -hmm. issue. Um, And The Red Word was really also really, really good. I would not necessarily classify it as YA. I'm actually curious to know if it is. I mean, it is about a girl in college. Um, I guess it is. It must be YA. Um, it is heavy. It is heavy. It is about 
Um, it is about like um, frat houses and rape on college campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a minute to really get into the swing of it, but I'm so glad that I read it. It was really, really good. Anyways, I highly recommend this author, but I really especially recommend this book. Um, I think especially like this is a book I would continue to give to maybe like um, any like queer teenagers struggling with their own queer identity or especially um, especially a young boy. I think that it really um, connects in a way that's super important. I love that. Um, so I like. Once we start this conversation, then I'm like, well, this book and this book and this book and this book. Um, so what I want to do is talk about um, an author, Jason Reynolds, because I've I have. You've talked about him on here before, I think. I have. Yeah. Um, he wrote Long Way Down, All American Boys, The Boy in the Black Suit, mm-hmm. When I Was the Greatest. Um and they are all excellent, excellent books. He is an incredible author. Um, he was the Youth Poet, Poet Laureate. Maybe still holds that title. Um, I don't know. Award winning for sure. He, when I originally thought about this, what I wanted to do was talk about All American Boys. It's a book uh, that is co-authored, Jason Reynolds and Brandon highly um about it's about um police brutality and you know in in america but as i was thinking about it it is a work of fiction right yes yes um and i do i think that's important i think that it is a book that will that should be read by especially white kids mm-hmm. um, just because of the content. I think it is incredibly important. Um, but but what I actually, the, the book that I want to talk about by him um, is a, not so much a work of fiction as it is a, a long poem. Um, it's a book called For Everyone. And it's it was originally uh, performed at the Kennedy Center um, for the unveiling of the MLK Jr. Um, memorial. And it is such a beautiful piece of work that um, I cannot recommend highly enough. It's I'm literally just adding all these books to my cart. Great. Um, For Everyone is also available performed by Jason Reynolds, and I can link that. Um, God, it is so good. So For Everyone is exactly that. For everyone. For every one person. For everyone who has a dream, but especially for every kid. The kids who dream of being better than they are. Kids who dream of doing more than they almost dare to imagine. Kids who are like Jason Reynolds, a self-professed dreamer. Jason does not claim to know how to make dreams come true. He has, in fact, been fighting on the front line of his own battle to make his own dreams a reality. He expected to make it when he was 16, then 18, 
then 25. Now some of those expectations have been realized, but others, the most important ones, lay ahead. And a lot of them involve kids, how to inspire them. All the kids who are scared to dream or don't know how to dream or don't dare to dream because they have never seen a dream come true. Jason wants kids to know that dreams take time. They involve countless struggles. But no matter how many times a dreamer gets beat down, the drive and the passion and the hope never fully extinguishes because simply having the dream is the start you need or you won't get anywhere anyway. And that is when you have to take a leap of faith. Beautiful. It is so good. I read it over and over and over again. I listen to it over and over and over again. Um, read everything by Jason Reynolds. He's a very prolific author, just looking at all of these things. It's yes. wild to me that I've never heard of him. He, yeah, it's actually yeah. wild to me that, yeah, especially like during COVID, he um, did like, what did he call it? Like brain yoga or something. And he did mm. this thing like live on his Instagram oh, cool. where he would like hold two cards up and then kids would like just figure out how to make, they would like use their imaginations to make something like here's a pair of sunglasses and paper clips. What are you going to make? And then he would oh. like who, whoever like has it ask to share the screen with him. And then he would bring these kids on and they what? would like, yeah, it was, he is absolutely incredible. I'm so cool in love with him. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do a J- Jason Reynolds deep dive. Yeah. He's, he's a mainstay in the Halson Dominguez Stevens home. I love that. Um, okay. So my last book, was, as I said, my favorite book for years. I mean, I honestly, I think almost a decade. Um, I read it, I probably read it like three times. And I'm not a huge go back to old books person. I will re-experience a book by that I love by re-listening to it. And there okay. are a few that I will reread, but it's uncommon. But this book um, was really like... I think I discovered it after motherhood. So I was 26 the first time that I read it. And, um, you know, I'd read a ton of books before then. Nothing had ever resonated with me in the way that Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell resonated oh, with me. Yeah. Um, it is just really, I mean, really, truly, it is a love story. And I feel that what you said that Nate said really rings true in this book, especially, Mm. um, that, you know, that's like the last age of like true lovers, um, because it is a love story that, that is what it is, but it is really poignantly touched with, um, complicated family lives for each of the main characters and, Rainbow Rowell, after reading this, became um, just such an important person to me. She is still one of my favorite authors. She hasn't really produced a um, a long-form book in a while. She did recently. Her most recent book that she just published um, is this one. It's called um, Scattered Showers, and it is a collection of short stories, I think. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. I haven't read it yet. Um, but she's one of those authors that, like, I know all the things that are going on with her, and, like, I will just instantly buy and read all of her books. Yeah. Um, she also owns a bookstore. I'm sorry. She doesn't own it, but she frequents a bookstore bookstore in Omaha where she is from called the bookworm. She is such a badass to me because she is really open about her anxiety and like her social anxiety. And she straight up is just like, I'm not doing book tours. Like, I don't care. 
Um, so she doesn't really do it's what not she my doesn't thing. want to do. Not gonna do it. Totally. No, I fucking love that shit. Yeah, and she'll just like she's like she'll just like take court at um, the bookworm, and she's like, if you want to, I'm gonna sign books here at this bookstore. That's my hometown's bookstore where I live, and that's where you can find me. And goals. It's so cool. Like she's just such a cool person. Um, she also wrote for the graphic novel. I'm so bad about like Marvel, DC. They recently made a show about it. Um, I know. Nope. I'm giving you nothing. <laughs> um, if it's not related to true crime or MILF Manor, I don't know. I'm not going to find that. She wrote it's, for a graphic novel? Mm-hmm. The Runaways. No. Nope. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and The Runaways is really cool for anybody into graphic novels because it's super diverse. Like it's basically like baby X-Men, not literally, but like it's very reminiscent of that sort of thing, which is like a, an eclectic bunch of superheroes. Basically. I love there's going to be people listening to this that are like, you are ruining. They're I like, know. what do you Marvel DC? Yeah, and they're just like, like baby X-Men. I don't you know. You know, little baby X-Men. Anyways, she's an incredible author. Um, Eleanor and Park is such a beautiful love story. It was actually, um, it's a pretty famous book and partly because it got banned. It, I think it nearly right. successfully was yes, banned yeah. in some middle America towns because they felt that the themes of dysfunctional families was, um, not appropriate for young people to read about and thinking kiss my taint totally. And circling back to like why we're doing this episode, like. There are people who are like, I don't think that young people should be reading these heavy stories. But like, look, that is when you're like experiencing these things and, learn. you know, I learned so much trauma, like shit that happened to my family when I was like 17, 18, 19, like ancestral trauma, yeah. the history of trauma in my family. Um, it's unavoidable. Like, yes, you're in that weird space between like, you're definitely not a kid. You're definitely not grown up. And um, these books shine a flashlight. They are lanterns through these like freaking weird ass caves of that transitional time. And thank God for them. Yeah. Amen. Um, so the my last book, when when I tell you that I read the first book in this series and was full of rage that I had to wait a whole year for the next book. And then again for the next. Ooh, I'm excited. I was incredibly upset because I loved it so much. Um, the <clears throat> the first book in the the series is called um, Scythe, and it's part of a series called Arc of a Scythe, and it's by an author called Neil Schusterman. I've heard of this book. Um, I loved Scythe. Uh, it's it's like um, in the world there's like no there, like, there are no bad things like people are not sick um, and they're not there there's no poverty and there's no war and humanity has just has like figured all of that out um, but there I is I knew there was going to be a but <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, but there is this whole thing where there needs to be population control. 
And so scythes are the people who are responsible for population control. Scythes kill people. Wow. Um, and so this is a book that follows the first book, uh, follows Citra and Rowan, who are two teens um, who are chosen to apprentice a scythe to learn the art of killing. And <clears throat> it is wild, this this whole series. When did you read this? <laughs> like when it came out, like 2020. 2020? Oh, okay. Okay, so 20, it's fairly new. I have wait, seen it all not. over the place. Hold on. When did it come? Oh, wait, no. 2017. Oh, okay. Um, but I think that... I feel like Thunderhead, which is the third... No, Thunderhead's the second one, and then there's the Toll and Gleaning. Um, one of those has come out very recently. Okay. Um... Yeah, it's just, it's so good. Um, I was completely taken by this, like, <clears throat> weird, like, dystopian-esque fantasy, like, sci-fi mm. story that really just, like, I was just, like, in that world. And, that. like, reading it in the middle of the night, just, like, they, the character development around these like apprentice sites is super interesting. And of course there's like a love story that's involved and um, yeah, it is just a, it's really cool world building and I forgot how much I loved it until I just started thinking about it. And now I now wanna, you're going to reread it. I want to listen. Well, I'll listen to it. Yeah, that's a good idea. I think I might read it soon. I feel like, um, you know, some of the early YA books that I loved, of course, Harry Potter, but also um, The Hunger Games, man. Oh, man. I love that shit. It's so, so good. Hard. I mean, it, honestly, it still holds up. It really does. We watch it. We watch the movies with our kids. Actually, we just kind of started letting our eight and ten year olds watch them with us because around every Christmas time, we rewatch all the Harry Potter books, even though J.K. Rowling's a nasty turf. We still love the movies. And we've sort of like added um, the Hunger Games into that tradition, and it's just so good. It's just yeah, so it's good. So it's, and it's so it's nice great. to get lost in like a different world that's created, but that still is pulling themes yeah. that you can relate to. You know, it's awesome. Scythe, read it. Well, friends, we hope that we have shown an important light on young adult literature. 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 <laughs> and um, we love YA. And we will yeah. continue to read a lot of YA. Yeah, we will. On this YouTube channel. Wait, what are we doing? Um, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a party channel. It's a party in the USA. Brown Girl Book Party. Bye. Bye.